Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into eighth grade in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Eighth grade is a new movie from uh, writer-slash-director Bo Burnham, starring Elsie Fisher as Kayla Day, Josh Hamilton as Mark Day, and others. Um, this is probably going to be a long review. <laughs> I'll just be pretty upfront about that. Uh, I think this is going to be a long one. It's going to have spoiler talk. Uh, this is a, a very important and special movie to me, uh, and uh, one I'll actually be seeing for the second time uh, later today. Um, I wanted to see it before then, but uh, time and um, convenience, coincidence, whatever you want to call it, didn't really work out that way, uh, but uh, I, I, the show must go on, an episode must come out today, and, and this is what it'll be. So, before we really jump into the episode itself, uh, just a brief, brief, as brief as I can be, history of my kind of relationship with Bo Burnham and, and his whole oeuvre and his his whole thing. Uh, I discovered him in high school, uh, as I think a lot of people my age did, um, just doing songs on YouTube, uh, funny, humorous songs, um, kind of rapping sometimes, uh, just just really funny stuff, and, you know, I listened to it a lot, I got really into it, I probably could still sing along with most of them at this point, uh, you know, New Math and, and, and so many others are, are just fantastic, fantastic songs back when he was like a teenager. And then I remember him watching his uh, his appearance on YouTube Live uh, later on, um, which was also fascinating. I love that. That was really fun, too. And then he started doing stand-up. And I've seen all of his stand-up, uh, not in person, but um, just in, in, in general. Uh, you know, I saw... Uh, words, 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 what, make happy, make happy, I, I love, I thought it was fantastic, um, what, I also think is great, I've seen him in Funny People, uh, I saw him in Hall Pass, um, The Big Sick, I loved him in The Big Sick, I saw him in Rough Night, he was whatever in the in, in Rough Night, and that was kind of irrelevant, um, I, I don't know, I, I've, I've seen him in a lot of things, and I, I remember him from his brief episode in, in Parks and Rec, uh, it, it just, it's kind of, you know, I, I've, I've been there for most of it, and, and I'm very pleased and, and excited about everything he's ever done. So, 8th grade coming out, um, the first film that he's directing, uh, his, his, you know, and, and not only that, but writing it as well. Uh, you know, that's a lot, big burden, a lot of pressure, but I know but before it came out, before we really had a lot of reviews for it, I had a lot of faith in this movie because I had seen his stand-up shows and like, man, they are so well-produced and so well-written and, and, you know, I, I can't believe that anyone besides Bo Burnham pretty much controls every facet of them and they are so down to a T constructed uh, with such a fine-toothed comb. And uh, so I, I wasn't really worried that this was going to be a misfire, if that makes sense. And when the reviews kind of started rolling out, everybody was really pleased by it. You know, it, it, it debuted to uh, currently, I still believe, I, I believe it is still currently the highest um, per theater average uh, of the year, besting Isle of Dogs. Uh, you know, that just... just Increased the excitement level tenfold uh, on top of how high it was already. So, really, really pleased. Uh, it premiered at Sundance, and it, it just everyone has been praising it. So, uh, as the movie was rolling out and releasing and expanding into more and more theaters, uh, it's finally, finally expanded to 
um, a theater near me. In fact, one that's now just a seven-minute walk from my apartment. And it came. It, it premiered on this past Friday, uh, which is the day I saw it. I think it was Friday. Now I don't remember. Wait a second. It was the fourth. That is Saturday. It's all on Saturday. And man, uh, this is this is. I, I, this is not an easy movie to quantify. This uh, uh, it's in in a way it, it kind of feels like uh, this year's Lady Bird in that it is about a young woman, uh, a girl who is in grade school, who is transitioning from one stage of life to the next, who has um, a very close but tenuous relationship with a parent. Uh, who is struggling to fit in with the kids around her who are both uh, who both care about her and also use her for various reasons uh, there's a lot of similarities a lot of similarities um, but uh, unlike ladybird um, ladybird took place years ago you know it, it kind of takes place in the early aughts I believe and eighth grade takes place right now, um, or I guess more specifically a year ago, and it is very entrenched in Instagram and YouTube and social media, and 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 so on and so forth. Uh, you know, this is a movie that um, when 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 Elsie Fisher as Kayla when she calls somebody else on her phone. Uh, your instant reaction is like, well, that doesn't, no one calls anybody anymore. Why wouldn't you just text? And so it, it definitely, it never doesn't feel like a movie that takes place in the present. It's it's very of its time in that way. But more than that, it is also a film that does exactly the same thing that Lady Bird did, which is whether or not you were the same character as Kayla, you know, whether or not when you were in eighth grade you were like Kayla, whether you were introverted, whether you were a, a girl, whether you were um, any, any of the attributes, whether you had a single parent, whether you had so on and so forth, um, it doesn't really matter because the film is able to draw you in and show you such a, a vulnerable and transparent showcase of who she is, of who this person is, that you don't need to necessarily have connect have a have a strong connection to her to understand her and to feel this because just like Ladybird, you knew somebody who was like this if you weren't this person yourself. Uh, and you and and maybe both are true. Maybe you are this person, and you also knew somebody who was like this. And that that's you know there were a lot of introverted kids in in middle school. Uh, but Kayla is a unique one, and for someone older than you know twenty, uh, you weren't growing up around the same stuff and and there's a very fa fascinating conversation in this movie between seniors in high school and Kayla and there's four years separating these characters and they talk as if that four years is is a generation and it doesn't feel that way you know <clears throat> I'm 26 I look at somebody who's 30 and I, I don't feel like a generation has passed between us but when you're 13 and you're looking at somebody who's 17, like that four-year difference makes such a greater impact. And on top of that, in this day, and this age, with technology as prevalent as it is, with it as rampant and uh, just evolving at the rate that it is, you, you can't deny that four years is maybe even lo longer than one generation at this point because you know people these people are you know some of us are growing up with like Facebook wasn't really a thing when I was in high school it didn't really catch on it, it became bigger when I was in in college but for someone who's who it ca caught on in in high school 
that's a completely different experience than I had. And the same is true with Twitter and Instagram and so on and so forth. And the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Uh, you know, podcasts weren't were a thing when I was in high school, but like I wasn't aware of them. I didn't know what they were until after college. And so all all these all these different things, all these vast, vast technological changes that have taken place in the last 10, 15 years really do segment uh the children that grew up at a specific time during a specific um, change in in what was happening around them. And that is a fact, that's just a really tough thing to pinpoint like that. It's, It's not easy to look at a film like this and, and not say, well, it won't age well because it's so entrenched in social media, because it's such a product of its time. And I think that's false, First, firstly, uh, from just a, a, a critical standpoint, because looking like there are a lot of movies that date themselves uh, based on just because they take place in the present. And I, I, I think that what that does... And again, some movies that do that, it, it is true that they, they don't age well. But I think that the best movies that are take, that take place in the present, that definitely date themselves, that make a lot of references to current things and use current technologies and, and visual cues, are, are time capsules, which is a, a pretty big uh, device that's used in this film. There are time capsules that... When you come back to this movie in 10 years, and who knows what big social media thing will be in, in demand in 10 years, or, or um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen in that, that, man, that amount of time, but you'll come back, if you come back to this movie from 10 years ago, from, from in 10 years, you will be able to notice and, and see that this is just what life was like back in 2017, 2018. This is just how people were, and, and more specifically, this is how middle school kids were. And that, that in and of itself is a valuable thing, because if you are a middle school kid now, and in 10 years you watch back, like this is exact, it's just going to be exactly what you remember. You know, it's, it's kind of how you know, I felt watching Boyhood, which you know, was basically me. Like that was how I grew up. Those years, those interactions, those, you know, when the, when uh, when Eller Coltrane was ten, I was roughly ten. Like they, he was uh, the the film tracked him through the same years and at the same ages that I would have been. So I didn't feel like those moments dated the movie to any degree. I felt like they only enhanced my connection to it, and. I didn't grow up with Instagram. I didn't grow up with um, Twitter and things like that when I was in grade school. And yet I felt very connected to this movie. I think it, it does a great job of showing who Kayla is and how she communicates with the world through her videos on YouTube, uh, how she communicates with her father, which is sparingly, uh, how she handles situations in school, how she handles situations with her peers outside of school, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. And those are the point those are the things that make this movie feel in in a in a sense timeless. Whereas the Instagram, the YouTube, all that kind of stuff, that feels very much set in time. As it should, and I think as it is intended to. <clears throat> So, the premise of the movie uh, is we're following Kayla, who is transitioning from 8th grade to ninth grade. And as far as I'm aware, that is generally the period of time and, and the numerical grade where a kid will transition from middle school to high school. I am guessing that there are some instances where this is not the case, but it was for me, and I'm guessing it is for most people. Um, especially in the States. And the film tracks like her last week or two uh, in eighth grade as she's kind of wrapping up her classes. 
Um, she goes to a party held by one of her peers. Uh, she's uh, in in she their um, their time capsules that they did uh, when they entered middle school are given back to them. So she's able to kind of reconnect to her younger self. And she shadows uh, a high school student uh, who helps her kind of understand the transition between middle school and high school a little bit better and, and sort of prepare her for that, for what's coming and what will change. And this is, uh, this is all very much, uh, you know, pretty straightforward and, and not a lot happens in the grand scheme of things that is, uh, particularly life-changing, you know? This is a movie that kind of, um, in a way, brushes up against uh, big monumental events. Uh, you know, it's it's not like this is, you know, we don't see um, Kayla's mother die. She doesn't die in this movie. She's just not there the whole time. You know, she doesn't, um, you know, there's no significant actual permanent changes that are happening. Even by the end of the movie, she's not in high school yet, you know? She is just finally sort of, sort of, um, adjusted to what's coming. She is, she has changed throughout the film to a person that is, to, to a degree, more prepared, uh, for high school than she was at the start. And that is very much not what you expect from a movie, I think a lot of movies hinge on these big moments, these these definite and defining elements, and kind of like Lady Bird, uh, Eighth Grade doesn't. It, it it just it's just segments and moments in Kayla's life that make up this this sort of arc that she over undergoes, where she starts out incredibly introverted. You know, she wins most quiet. Uh, in her class, and, you know, we see her kind of bristle at that label and and uh, just, just really not be happy about who she is and the way she fits in with everyone else around her. And by the end of the movie, um, you know, she's, she's not perfect. She's not altogether better, necessarily. Uh, but she has improved, and she is she's more comfortable with who she is, and she is more comfortable with where she sits uh, relative to her family, relative to her friends, to her peers, to her classmates, and, and the world around her. And that is a, a tough, tough uh, transition to showcase in, in a cinematic way. You know, it's not like there's fight scenes happening every 10 minutes. You know, you don't get... Um, I don't know, you just you just don't you have to be so so far inside Kayla's head and completely understand who she is to make all these like tiny interactions, all these mo- momentary little scenes uh, add up to a, a greater whole. There's a scene, oh my gosh, that I I absolutely loved, where um, man, how much can I say of this without it being a spoiler? Uh, there's a scene where uh, she, ha- um, Kayla is holding a banana and her dad comes home from work, I assume, and he, you know, they, he just strikes up a conversation like, how was your day? How did it go? Blah, 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 blah. And she kind of gives her gives him these short, abrasive, like, fine, it was good, whatever uh, answers. And he notices the banana and... He says, <laughs> the interaction plays out like, um, I didn't think you like bananas. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I was just about to eat it. I, I, I love bananas. And he's like, are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure you told me not long ago that you don't like bananas. She's like, Dad, I like bananas. Calm down. And, and you know, for a split second after she says that, you see this this look on Josh Hamilton's face like, like, okay, but then all of a sudden it twists away as he remembers that, you know, he's like, oh, wait, I think I made a note of it somewhere that you didn't like bananas and you wanted me to stop getting them. And like, as he's pulling out his phone to like look for this note that he kept, 
uh, she throws the banana at him. It's it's a hilarious scene that is far more hilarious with the circumstances that are actually surrounding it. And like that that scene in and of itself is so perfect uh, between Elsie Fisher and Joss Hamilton's performances, the way it's directed, the, the just the 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 timing that the two actors have with these lines and you know I think something like oh yeah I made a note that you don't like bananas is kind of a silly thing to have made a note about I think but it doesn't feel silly in the moment and like I said like this isn't a huge life-changing thing that's happening this is just a banana and yet it's it's so it's very very important in the grand scheme of the movie and every scene is kind of like that um you know there are a couple of scenes that definitely trend a lot further toward very impactful and and very big events than the banana scene but um but none of them ever quite uh, uh, get over that hump, get over the break over that cusp. They're all just a little bit behind it, and that takes a lot of restraint. Um, on the direction and writing side of things, for Burnham, uh, you can clearly tell in this movie that it's it's a little rough. It's it's a little rough throughout the whole thing. He's not. This is his first film. It's it's a fantastic, fantastic debut. Uh, but there are a lot of very, and maybe maybe purposefully, uh, a blatant and and kind of uh, rough edits and and sound and and scoring moments that are happening. It does feel at times a, a, a touch amateurish. It doesn't pull you out of the a film entirely, but it's it's noticeable. Um, whereas the writing is pretty incredible, pretty incredible. It's it's uh, the dialogue is just fantastic. I don't know how much of it was given leeway for the actors, but there are so many. There, there's so many just um, what's what's the term uh, when you I don't know so many like vocal ticks, uh, you know, the way that Kayla says like, like so many times, like it, it just like just appears in like every single like line that she says is like four likes. And that's really how a lot of people talk uh, that at that age. And, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, I hear so there are a lot of people that have that, you know, inject like in almost like every other word. And it's it's noticeable it's something you can tell and you know especially if you're someone who doesn't uh use like often you can hear it you can see it in her her face you know she's saying it and and it's just coming so naturally it's not even she's not even trying to do it but and and i i don't know if if those were all in in as part of the uh, screenplay or not, I don't know if those were written in or not, but I, I would imagine they are, knowing who Bob Burnham is and knowing how much control he has over the performances he gives and the shows he puts on, I, I, I would assume that those are on purpose and uh, intentional and for Elsie Fisher to make those sound so natural you know, especially during her YouTube videos that she records, she says like about fifty percent of the time, <laughs> like almost every other word, and it doesn't sound wrong, you know, uh, with the exception of obviously, I mean, it, it does. It's not the most convenient way to talk, but it is natural sounding. And that's what it needs to be. Um, yeah. So that all said, um, I really try not to go into too much detail until we hit spoilers. I really, really love this movie. I, I got to be honest. I really love this movie. It is one of my favorites of the year so far. Um, to that point, um, as far as the current Circle of Film Awards go... Uh, it is in the running for picture, uh, Elsie Fisher for lead, Josh Hamilton for supporting, 
Burnham for screenplay. Uh, the score is part of it. It's a very obvious and and straightforward and, and at times over the top score, but it, it just it works in the context of this film. It works with how this film is presented. It's a very like eighth grade is a very obvious and over the top moment and, and time of, of a person's life, and and this is a score that matches that. Uh, special effects, so the film editing and um, the cinematography are exemplary it is you know so many there are so many scenes in this movie where you have the narration and and um voiceover coming from elsie fisher as she's uh talking uh through one of her videos or recording of hers and we cut away from her performing and record and, and talking and, and just kind of show her doing other things and like all those scenes are just so beautifully well well made uh, and they, they just work so well with, with the voiceover. And then lastly, best scene. Uh, there's a scene between Josh Hamilton and Elsie Fisher uh, at uh, around sitting around a fire that I will definitely get into in spoilers. And it is phenomenal. And it is so well well conceived, well constructed, well written. And I, I'm just a big fan. So that's seven nominations all told which currently, currently makes it the most nominated film of the year. Uh, Black Panther, Incredibles 2, American Animals, and A Quiet Place all sitting with six nominations at the moment. And The Tale and Hereditary both at five. Um, so yeah, I'm very high on this film. I will be honest, uh, there is definitely a level of bias uh, involved with this movie. Uh, I... I I connect with it a lot. I was very similar to Elsie Fisher's character Kayla uh, when I was younger. Maybe not in eighth grade, um, but definitely at least in high school. So I was I was on the same wavelength. I was I was picking up what she was putting down, and that is that means a lot. That really does. You you can't really. There's only so much objectivity you can have when you're rating and reviewing movies. Uh, you know, no one can be perfectly objective, and there are going to be a lot of movies where you can't even be mostly objective. Uh, so, this is one of those. This is definitely one of those, and I'm I'm happy to admit that. So, uh, that's probably going to wrap up the review here, and then jump into spoilers uh, in just a second. So. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I do encourage you to see it before you listen to the spoiler section. But um, if you are not so inclined, then feel free to stick with it. Thank you for listening. If you do depart now, uh, you can find more episodes at circleoffilm.com or you can get in touch with me, uh, circleoffilm at gmail.com or at circleoffilm on Twitter. And now... Let's jump into spoilers. Any path, so many worth exploring. Just one would be so boring. And look what you're ignoring. Spoilers for Eighth Grade. Uh, a movie that, like I said, doesn't really have a lot of big moments in it that are going to be super impactful. No, like, deaths or anything like that. But... Um, it is certainly a movie with plenty of stuff that I think um, might be better off not knowing until after you see it. So rather than kind of jump around, just going to kind of go through as best I can the actual order of the narrative uh, and kind of point pick it up as I get there. Um, so first and foremost, uh, I love the relationship between Kayla and Mark, who is her father, played by Josh Hamilton. The two of them have one of the most incredible father-daughter relationships ever put on film. Uh, Josh Hamilton is a treasure. He is the kind of dad I wish I had uh, growing up. Um, he kind of just knows how to say all the right things. He's able to give Kayla just enough space to let her go hang out with high school kids but then we catch him stalking the, the mall, watching them from afar, and like the kids notice it, and it's just 
adorable in a sense and obviously Kayla gets really upset and she runs him down and like yells at him and he's very he's very apologetic and contrite and and he's he's very uh, you know forthcoming about being just just worried and and not a, and and he, you know he gives her money and leaves and it's it's just it's a really nice sentiment and he's giving giving her the opportunity to make mistakes and and to grow and generally that's you know that's what happens and you know when she's upset he's there he doesn't know what she, what's wrong she won't tell him but he's there and he's ready to listen and he's happy and uh there's the scene that i, I think's in the trailer where uh she's on her headphones at the dinner table and he's trying to talk to her and this scene is much longer in the movie and finally she just kind of bursts out at him like, look, you told me I can do whatever I want on Friday, so just let me listen to my music and be on my phone and stop talking to me. And he's like, yeah, okay, I said that. <laughs> I said that. And it's so it's so frustrating because like this entire conversation is him trying to like compliment her and, and, and tell her how much he loves her and how much she means to him, and, and she just kind of doesn't have the patience for it. And... I get that, you know, when you're younger, that's embarrassing, and you don't want to hear that, and, you know, you're like, I get it, like, you, you, you care about me, I get it, it's fine, and watching that as someone in their mid-20s, I, I'm just like, man, like, uh, just give, give, give yourself into those moments, because holy shit, like, those, it may feel like that's always, that's going to happen every day, and it, it just doesn't, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen, um, you know, you, you can't, you can't kind of always think of your parents as this fallback that, you know, yeah, I'm in college. Yeah. I'm out of my own. I'm an adult. I live by myself. Yeah. I have roommates or, or whatever your situation may or may not be. You kind of get to this point where you're just kind of okay with everything and you think everything's gonna, you know, you're, you're kind of separating yourself from your family a little bit, or trying to, generally, you know, when you're going to college, you're like, yeah, I want my independence, yeah, I want to try to do this on my own, I want, I want to stop relying on everyone else so much, and this isn't really relying on them, you know, you know, it, it's, it's having this moral support, and, and, the the care and love that you can obviously see between um between between Kayla and Mark is is just they're just there are too many too many parents who don't have that much love for their kids and uh you know as a former kid and and you just I definitely, you know, growing up with my grandparents, I definitely feel like I had plenty of support from from a care and love standpoint. I, I don't feel like that was something I lacked, but I don't know. But like the different my, difference for me was, I think that just the the generational age gap between me and my grandparents was just a, far too much to overcome. Uh, and and you can even see it in this movie, like the age gap between Mark and Kayla is, you know, roughly fit half as wide as it is was between me and my grandparents growing up, and yet he still can't really handle like the social media connections that she has. He you know he doesn't really understand it. He doesn't know what she's doing. He doesn't understand what drives her and connects her to these things. You know, he's very illiterate when it comes to social media, and so. Uh, in that sense, I think that they uh, that there's really this this need, I think, to take someone who who can't possibly understand what you're doing and and attribute that to everything, right? If if you can't understand why I like Instagram, how can you possibly understand anything else about me when Instagram makes up such a big part of her life? And then that's a probably unfair assertion i think uh, you know it's it's totally not um doesn't it, it's totally not fair to say that because i, I mean i don't know it's it just you you just you get these moments in this movie where 
she, where Kayla is very, I don't know, she, she's not comfortable uh, around other people, right? She's, go, she's, in, she's kind of swindled into going to this party because uh, one of her classmates' mothers forces her classmate to invite her. And she for, you know, struggles with whether or not to go and uh, ultimately decides to go and this whole this we get this over voiceover of her on her on her YouTube channel talking about confidence and uh, she makes such a fantastic fucking point in that you don't you're not born with confidence you know confidence is not a is not something that you either have or don't it's something that you can choose to use when you want to and people who lack confidence can ultimately gain confidence uh, if they if they work at it, if they try to. And people who have confidence can lose it, conversely. And we've seen throughout this movie, up until the point where she's at the party, she's not a very confident person. And then she decides to go to the party, and she stops in the bathroom. We haven't seen any other kids yet. She is having a panic attack. She is freaking out. It's all overwhelming her. But she changes into her bathing suit. We follow her as she goes outside. She goes to the pool. She doesn't say anything. Nobody really acknowledges her. She gets in the water. She swims. And then kind of rests against the side of the pool. And that... Man, like, as a kid, I could have never done any of that. Like... There's like 30 to 50 kids at this party. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty big party, and uh, I would not have been comfortable at all uh, putting myself out there in that sort of a situation. Um, this is also where she meets Gabe. Uh, Gabe is the cousin of the girl who's having the party, and uh, Gabe is a very strange kid. He's a very odd duck. And um, he kind of doesn't have a, a, a barometer for social awkwardness, uh, I guess is one way to put it. Um, but he is, he's pretty adorable. He's pretty adorable. Uh, we then cut to um, Kayla inside after the pool party part portion is over. Every, all the other kids are in the other, other room watching a movie. Or not watching a movie. They're like doing karaoke. And she's in a different room on her phone, and her crush comes in, Aiden, uh, who won. So she won most quiet at school. He won best eyes. And uh, enter this that awkward scene from the trailer where she's like, oh, yeah, I charge, charge my phone. And he kind of tells her, you know, everybody's in the other room. And she was like, yeah, I'll be in in a minute. And... This is like a big moment for her. This is a huge moment because he walks out of the room and she finally decides to get up the courage to go put herself out there. Uh, she is, she kind of strides over into the other room and she stands on the outside for a second. The person who just finished their karaoke song is like looking for somebody else to do it. No one's volunteering. And she just decides to do it. And she does it, and she's happy, she's enjoying it, she's laughing, she's smiling. And the camera's looking at everyone else around her, and no one's really responding. Uh, which would absolutely kill me. Uh, this is, again, another thing I don't think I'd ever have the co courage or, or um, confidence to, to do. And... Uh, she she but she she manages to do it she overcomes everything she sings and despite what we see in everyone else's faces uh this is a huge deal this is a big change she has grown she is she is becoming more and more confident she is losing more of this fear and as she's talking about this confidence that she just needs to have and be uh you know, the next day at school, she she finds Kennedy, who had the, who's holding the party, and she 
gives her a note and thanks her for inviting her to party to the party and Kennedy the whole time just like on her phone, not even looking at her. And uh, it's just, you know, she's kind of starting to break through this barrier of it doesn't really matter what everyone thinks um, if you are happy with the person you are and, and if you think you're doing what's right and the, and the right thing and the best thing. And that is something, man, that is something I never really got it, got my, wrapped my head around when I was in, in school. Um, I, I just, like, there are so many moments where, like, I, I was, I was very introverted in, in school. I, like, I was the kid that never raised his hand in class. Uh, and when called on, even if I knew the answer, I would often just kind of say, I don't know. Uh, just to kind of get the spotlight off of me as quickly as possible, you know, I I just didn't, I didn't want any of that. I was not interested in in engaging in in the classroom experience in that way. And you start to see through like the first third, first half of this movie that Kayla is is trying. She is making taking steps to try to overcome these things, and it all kind of peaks uh, beautifully with the shadowing that she does uh, with the high school student. So she meets Olivia and uh, she and Olivia is a, a senior in high school and she spends the day following Olivia around and learning about high school and what it's like and what to expect and man uh, this might be like the the happiest moment of the movie because Olivia is is so nice to Kayla. She is so gentle, generous, and kind. She helps her. She is she just there's no there isn't even like a, a an ounce of vitriol or or you know disgust in her voice at all. At the end of the day, she gives Kayla her number and invites her to hang out at the mall with her and some friends. And like, this is an eighth grader with 12th graders. And I know that as a 12th grader, uh, I was perfectly happy to like hang out with eighth graders. I, I, you know, I had friends who were ninth, eighth graders at the time. And, uh, you know, it's, in one sense, it really is kind of a, a, a strange, Dis, uh, disconnect between 13 and 17 but you know I think there's also this side of things where for the 13 year old person in that situation you know you can't help but look up to these high school seniors they seem like adults to you they seem like they know everything they seem just just perfect it, you know you you put them up on a pedestal especially as in the case with Kayla and Olivia Whereas on the flip side of that, if you're the 17-year-old, uh, depending on on your situation, you know you some you might miss when you were that young, when you had still had high school to look forward to and and to experience. Uh, you kind of are waiting to have that that experience again, almost, and you know you're on the precipice of college, and you know, that's scary, and that's daunting, and, and that's a huge difference going to college than it is going to high school, and I'm sure there's a part of those people who are a little afraid of it, but I, I think what most what's most important and what's most obvious in, in from Olivia's perspective in this movie is that she just likes Kayla. She just likes her, and uh, it just it's just she she's happy to be helpful and and to show her the ropes and and what what's to be expected so Kayla goes out and like I said meets her and like meets up with them and like they talk and everything her dad shows up she gets runs her dad off and uh, she gets a ride home with Riley so Riley takes Olivia and Kayla home and drops Olivia off first as she is uh, the first one to uh, first house to they meet, and Kayla was sitting in the back seat and you know doesn't get out, and so like not even like a minute after Olivia's out of the car, Riley kind of gives her this 
line like, you know, it's hard to talk to you when you're in the back seat. And he kind of pulls off to the side of the road and she's like, should I get in the front? And he's like, no. And then he gets out of the car and gets in the back seat. And so as soon as this happens, red flag, I mean, obviously red flags before this, but like major flashing lights, red flags, get out of this fucking situation. Don't figure something out. You can't like, this is not okay, et cetera, et cetera. At least that's how you feel watching it. And the scene, and, and a lot of credit to to um, Daniel Zogadri, who plays Riley, um, because this is a role that could very easily be just like, you're just this creepy guy who is hitting on a girl four years younger than you and is 13 and are trying to like do stuff with her, and that's really disgusting. But he's able to portray Riley in I don't, it's not a sympathetic way but but more of just like a he's able to give the character enough um, obliviousness I guess is the best way to put it that you can tell that the character it's himself he doesn't realize that what he's doing is like the worst fucking thing ever and whether or not that's a good thing in the grand scheme of things, like obviously it'd be better if he did know, but I think that this happening in real life would happen very similarly to how it is shown. It's like, you know, look, this kid is, you know, he maybe doesn't necessarily think that he's trying to help her, as he kind of says, but he's definitely um, not thinking of it along the same terms as like statutory rape. And uh, that is good, I think, because it's it's. I, I think it's a good thing that that's the case because if he just comes off as this incredible, incredibly awful douche who is like, who just kind of like forces himself on her. Uh, that that it's almost a little too cartoonish, right? I think that the way that the movie presents it, it comes across very authentic for better or worse authentic you know it doesn't start out with him just like reaching across and touching her he's like let's play truth or dare she says truth and uh, he asks her you know how many bases has she been to and she doesn't know what the bases are and she says third and then she's like oh no no wait second i get them confused and he so then she asks him and this is so great he says dare obviously and she like picks up a quarter from the uh the door the car door and she's like i dare you to put this in your mouth (laughs) and it's like so perfect because obviously because like you can just feel like the sexual direction that this whole situation is heading and this just perfectly innocent dare that you can uh, you can tell is like legitimately what she wanted to dare him to do uh, is is it, it just it cuts the tension so hard, um, and yet instantly the tension comes back when he's like that I'm not doing that's so dirty and and she's like oh yeah yeah it's really dirty. And then he said, and she's like, well, you can do whatever you want. And so he's like, how about I take off my shirt? And so he takes off his shirt. And then he asks her again, and she says truth. And he's like, oh, you're no fun. And she's like, uh, okay, well, d- dare then. And so he says, he asks her to take off her shirt. And she doesn't want to. And... um she refuses and you know he gets angry he gets upset and instead of channeling that anger into forcing himself onto her uh, he just kind of makes her feel guilty for refusing you know he puts his shirt back on he goes back into the front seat and she apologizes to him she apologizes and he's like, he's like, I was just trying to help you. you know, I was just trying to help you get some more experience. 
blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's one thing to present this moment without, you know, like we've, we've come to understand Kayla pretty well by this point. We know she is very smart. We know she is very capable and very intelligent. And situations like this are, you know, it it doesn't really, those things don't really matter. Uh, You know, anyone can find themselves in a situation like this uh, at any point. And what would have been absolutely devastating for this movie is is if she kind of like gave in to it if she accepted that it was her fault, if she accepted that she had made a mistake, if, if at least a mistake in the sense of um, not going through with it. And yet he drops her off. She says good night and he doesn't respond. She runs into the house upset, crying. And, and her dad comes into the room and like tries to comfort her. And, and this isn't her, you know, upset that she didn't do anything this is her upset that she let things get that far that she was so determined and focused on you know understanding sex uh understanding uh sex and and learning about it and and kind of just moving faster than than she was aging she was able to kind of recognize this this where she was at and and that is so powerful that is such a like it sucks that it took that much to get her there, but it is so powerful that she does get to that position and that she does get to that moment, um, which is then followed by the heartbreaking moment of her recording another YouTube video and saying that um, that's going to be her last one and uh, she's going to stop making them because, as we see, they have zero views. No one is watching them. And her reasoning is she doesn't think she's fit to give this advice. And, uh, you know, that's, that's so not true, which is, fa- which is so strange because, so she says she's unfit because she doesn't even, she can't really follow it herself. And that's true. But all of the advice that she gives is fairly on point, uh, far more on point than I'm sure I was when I was eight, in eighth grade. And I think that, um, I don't think that you need to be able to follow your own advice to give good advice. Uh, I don't think that that's true. I do think that she is smart enough to learn and grow and, and adapt. And that is clearly evident in her actions and what she does in this movie and I think there's far more to this I I think there's far more she could have done with her videos than she gave herself credit for but it's kind of a spiral that she fell into after her situation with Riley she you know she's upset with herself she's frustrated with herself and she gets to this point where she needs to kind of wipe the slate clean in a sense, and I totally get that. Um, I, when I'm, um, when I hit a hit a rock bottom place like that, uh, you know, uh, when I was when I was younger, that resulted in in self harm. Now uh, that results in uh, shaving my head. Uh, that's that's kind of what I do. Something to just you you want to feel like something has been erased something has been reborn in a sense and for Kayla that she she quits her videos and you know for me I, I shave my head and you know it manifests in different ways and whatever works for you is is a good thing and, and it will make sense and and is helpful and I think that's great I think that's a great great thing because uh, this totally could have been a movie that led her to self-harm, and I'm I'm glad it doesn't. So then we get to the time capsules, and um, she has a video in it about that she recorded when she was in sixth grade, asking her about where she's been and how her life has been in eighth grade, and um, this is just 
brilliant because you get to hear her old self talking about, man, you're going to do all this and you're going to do this and this and this. And she assumed all these things were going to have to have to happen in middle school because if they didn't, when else would they happen kind of a thing? And she gets frustrated. She's upset. She's kind of embarrassed by her younger self. And, and man, like how stupid I was to think that the, like I was definitely going to have a boyfriend or definitely this or definitely that. And so she asks her dad to burn the whole box. And he doesn't even know what's in it. <laughs> and he agrees. And like they go outside and make, he makes the fire. And she puts the box in the fire. And he asks her what was in it. And she's like, nothing. Just my hopes and dreams. And this is the scene that makes Circle of Film Awards right here. Because I I think, one, it is incredibly emotionally charged. Two, uh, it is so heartfelt, so beautifully acted, so prescient, and, and just... just just perfect uh three man i wish i had this moment when i was growing up so (laughs) kayla talks about first she asks uh, her dad if um if she makes him sad and he doesn't really understand the question and but if he says of course not and when she goes to further explain it uh man, like, this is something I was able to connect with very, very deeply. Um, She says that if she was a mother, and she had a daughter like herself, she says that it would make her very, very sad. And, and that is, that is a very, that is hard to deal with. That is, that is a real tough one for me. Um, that that's that's you know ha- having that thought at that age would be i mean the the absolute lack of of self awareness of 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 self of just understanding who you are and how, what you mean to other people is is terrifying and that is something i can totally totally relate to <laughs> Um, I went through a very similar experience in, in college, um, convincing myself that, um, that my own parents would be very disappointed in me and where my life had taken me up until that point. And that is a lot. And, um, you know, for me, like, I wasn't able to ask them, you know, if, if, if that, if my thought process was right or not, I wasn't able to get that instant reaction from them that I was completely off base, you know, that took therapy uh, to fix, uh, and, and I'm not sure that it's entirely fixed just yet, but, um, man, for for Kayla, uh, she she posits this, and just you can see the heartbreak on her dad's face as he is he is just gobsmacked by the fact that she could suggest such a thing, and he proceeds to enter into this lengthy explanation of how how much she, he, he cares about her and he loves her. He is so impressed by her. He thinks she is just so cool and so amazing. And she, he, she makes him proud. He, think, he knows how smart she is. And man, he has this fantastic, fantastic line about how, you know, he didn't really have to do anything how she she did it all herself how you know people always say that you know it's it's the parents uh, you know parenting is what gets what makes a kid who they are and he says you know i didn't do anything <laughs> you know i was just here to watch 
And, and man, that that is such a... God, I can't even imagine how that would feel to hear in person. It, it's just so such a monumental moment um, in such a small circumstance. And uh, that I, I just was in tears this whole scene. I, I couldn't I couldn't stop it. It was just it, it gut rent it, it just just like a punch to the gut. It was so so overwhelming for me <laughs> me to handle. Uh, I I there was just no going back from that. So um, uh, so after that, um, that's mostly the end of the movie. We get the graduation of eighth grade. Uh, where Kayla it confronts Kennedy, who held the party uh, over the thank you note and, and uh, about what took place and, and how she completely didn't respond to it and how Kayla was just so nice to her and it didn't matter. And she stalks away, which is a great thing. Like, oh man, she has come so far and it's so great to see that. Just tracking the interactions that Kayla has with Kennedy throughout the film from the first time when they're both, when, when Kennedy's in the car and she gets invited to the party uh, where she's completely nervous and, un, and barely capable of like saying a definitive, an, giving a definitive answer to when she confronts her after the party and she's just like really confident and bubbly and, and just trying to be nice. And, and finally at the end when she's, you know, she's still she's she's the confidence is still there and now more than the confidence is the honesty and the sort of indignance indignancy of how how she can be so tossed aside and she's not gonna sit and let that happen anymore and i think that that's such a fantastic progression for her character and she ends up going to gabe's house who is the guy, that the, the weird guy from um, the party, Kennedy's cousin, and if that isn't the most adorable fucking scene ever, if that isn't the most adorable scene ever, oh my goodness, uh, there's Rick and Morty references, which are amazing, um, uh, just just Gabe's entire thing is, is fascinating, uh, <laughs> It's so hilarious, and 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 then at the the end of the movie is her making a new time capsule for herself, uh, for her college senior or senior high school self, and burying it in the backyard. And uh, unlike the message she left for herself from the beginning of middle school, which was "Tell me all about the great things you did. Tell me about all this, that, and the other." Uh, this message is much more knowledgeable. It comes from a place of wisdom and intelligence of her saying, this might not be the best time of your life. You might not be happy the whole time. You might come out of this thing with some cuts and bruises and injuries, but, you know, it, it's... It happened. It's already It's already over now. And, and you're going to go to college and, and things are going to change again and you're going to have another opportunity and more more possibilities and just got to persevere through the, through the tough things. And, and there's just so many instances in this movie where you get to see the evolution of, of Kayla's character and they're all so beautifully scripted and, and so beautifully laid out. I loved this movie so much. I'm, I'm really excited to see it again, and I, I hope I hope others will go see it a lot. I, I mean, it's it's just such a fantastic depiction of of middle school and and childhood, and uh, I'm I'm so impressed, and I cannot wait, cannot wait to see more films from Bo Burnham. Uh, this put. I mean, Elsie Fisher is the voice, oh man, 
I forget who she's the voice of, but she's one of the daughters in Despicable Me. Um, but she was only in the first two, so she didn't reprise her role in the third one because I guess she was just too old at that point. And uh, Josh Hamilton, who, this is pretty <laughs> insane. Um, he wasn't on my spreadsheet before. This is the 11th movie I've seen him in. And uh, I had been, he's on, I have a folder of bookmarked names of people who I need to add to the list that I just haven't gotten around to yet because of the number of movies I have to put them in for. But he instantly became number 55th overall because he's also appeared in Manchester by the Sea, Margaret, Francis Ha, The Born Identity, The Meyerowitz Stories, Away We Go, Kicking and Screaming, Experimenter, not the Will Ferrell Kicking and Screaming, a different one. He's a voice in Ice Age. Um, it just It's just all super good, super good stuff. And uh, that's pretty fascinating. I, I thought he was incredible as the dad in this movie. He's so, so good. So good. Uh, I, I'm stunned. I, I thought it was just effortless. You know, he, he just... Perfect dad. Perfect dad. So, that's it. Um, uh, the whole... The banana scene. Oh, man. When she's about to practice giving a blowjob on it uh this is just hilarious and and so fantastic um there's the scene uh, i forget what she's looking at on her phone but her dad enters the room at night and and she gets freaked out and she ends up throwing the phone and it's just such a perfect depiction of 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 like adolescent reaction to like parents i thought it was amazing um i i'm just super impressed and uh this is one that's gonna stick with me um i'm hoping it's just as good on the rewatch i think it will be and you should go see it if you haven't seen it you should go see it if you've seen it then hopefully you you i hope you agree with me at least on some points i think uh, there's a lot to love about this movie and a lot to cherish and um, it doesn't you don't need to have had the same childhood experiences that Kayla or even I did uh, to to really connect with it so eighth grade eighth grade loved it so that's that's it that's that's gonna be it for the review thank you so much for listening to today's episode um, it was pretty long. We broke an hour on this review episode. That doesn't happen very often. Um, I, I'm, yeah. So if you want to get in touch, uh, you want to talk about the movie, about any movie, about anything, uh, for any reason, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film or through email at. Uh, circleoffilm at gmail.com if you'd like to check out more episodes you can do so over at circleoffilm.com all of them are there and if you would like to support the show for as little as 8 cents an episode you can do that on patreon.com slash circleoffilm I want to thank you again for listening to this episode and as always have a week so long She fell.